glory. Turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel, please. 1 Samuel, the second chapter. We begin last Sunday on a series we're calling The Honor of God. And this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I believe that if you're hungry for the glory of God, that it is inseparable from the honor of God. Honor and glory are actually uh, very similar terms in the scriptures. Let's read our text and review just a minute and go on this morning. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, the last part of the verse. 1 Samuel 2:30. The Lord says, "Them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed." The Lord says, "Those that honor me, what will he do?" You know, this is really an application of the universal law of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap, whether it's with God or with men. You sow respect, and what will you reap? Respect. You hear people talking sometimes, so I just don't understand why nobody shows me any respect. I don't understand why nobody will be faithful to me. Are you faithful to other people? Are you a good friend? You know, when we started in this ministry, Decades ago, in a traveling ministry, in a time of prayer, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, you're going to need partners to help you do what I'm calling you to do in prayer and in faith and finances. And he said, but the first thing you do is not write an appeal letter to try to get partners. The first thing you do is be a partner. You be a good, faithful partner. Amen. And he said, then I'll raise up to you partners. And so we had been partners, but we increased it and we saw to it that we weren't loose and lax about it. We had that money there regularly. Do you have bills regularly? Some of those bills, they come every month, don't they? Same time of the month. Well, that's the same way with churches, same way with ministries and outreaches. And so we want to sow support like we want to be supported. We want that support to be there faithful and on time and what it's supposed to be. And I tell you what, over the years, the Lord has been so good to us and so gracious to us. I mean, uh, five of these seats that got paid for last week was from our partners scattered all over the world. They just keep saying, I keep seeing them when I'm out on the road in different places. And they say, I'm believing to pay for some seats at that church. They don't even go here. They don't even live in the state. Don't you thank God for that? Yeah. Amen. Well, the Lord's our source and he uses a lot of people. But if you want somebody to be there for you, then you need to be there for somebody. Amen. And if you so honor and respect and dignity... And faithfulness, that's what you'll reap. Honor and respect and faithfulness. If you sow disrespect, he said, those that despise me, they will be lightly esteemed. Or in other words, they'll be despised. Because that's what the word despise means in the scripture. 
is a failure to esteem, a failure to value. Now let me give you the definitions again for honor. The word honor literally means heavy, like the word glory. The word honor means weighty, which in those days when they bought something, they'd take the scales out and they would put a certain weight of gold or silver or whatever that was weighed enough to buy the object that they were wanting. And if it was a really expensive object, you had to put a lot of weight on the scale to buy that thing. A lot of gold, a lot of silver. Well, when he's talking about honoring something, he's talking about what weight we give it, what value we give it, how we esteem it. Everybody say value. To me, this word has helped me in understanding honor as much as a lot of other things. If I honor something, that means I value it. If I despise something, that means I lightly esteem it. I just brush it off like, ah, uh, ho-hum, whoop-dee-doo, big deal. That is despising in Bible terminology. Now, we saw the story of how Esau despised his birthright. You remember that? We talked about that. And we saw what happened is he was very hungry and he came in and he saw Jacob fixing a meal and he said, give me some of that pottage. And he said, well, sell me your birthright. We'll trade. And anybody that valued and esteemed the things of God would have said, no way. My birthright for a bowl of soup? No way. But what did he say? He said, I'm about to starve, and what good's this birthright going to do me? So sure, fine, you can have it. And so the scripture said he sold his birthright, which was something of God, and from God in the family, for a bowl of soup. And later on, when it came time to inherit and came time to take it, he had lost it. And the scripture said in Hebrews that he sought it with crying and tears, but he couldn't change it. So when it comes to the things of God, if you esteem or value them properly, then you stand to receive more and greater. I know years ago the Lord said this to me in a time of prayer. He said, uh, Keith, would you like to enlarge your capacity to receive from me? Well, it didn't take me but about a half second. I said, yes, yes, and yes, sir. Yes, I would like to know how to enlarge my capacity to receive from you. Because do you understand that God has a lot more to give to us than what we've been able to receive? Hmm? People push it off on the will of God and say, well, it just must not be God's will to give us this or for us to enjoy this, for us to do this. No, so many times the narrowness is not on his side. It's not a matter of his will. It's a narrowness inside us. We haven't thought big enough, haven't talked big enough, haven't prayed big enough, haven't claimed and believed big enough. Our vision is, can be narrow and small. So enlarging your insides, I said, yes, please, Lord, show me. This is what he told me. I wrote it down. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me. He said this, 
cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Amen. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. You know, sometimes when the Lord answers a question, it doesn't seem like he's talking about the same thing. But he is. What would that have to do with enlarging my insides? Remember the scripture Jesus said, To him that has shall more be given, and to him that has not will be taken even that which he seems to have. And if you read the whole passage, the implication is he who esteems what he has, values what he has, uses and maximizes what he has, he'll get more. And that's reinforced in other passages. In Luke 16 where it talks about stewardship. Which God is very, very big on stewardship. He says he that's faithful in that which is least. He'll be faithful in much. And so God will give things and give more to those who value and appreciate what he has given them. You know people quote all the time and say well you know the Lord helps them that help themselves. Well, that's not really a scripture. Did you hear me? But I think they ought to be saying this instead of that. The Lord gives more who are thankful for what he's given them. That is a Bible fact. That is a scriptural principle. You show me an ungrateful person and I'll show you a doubter. Did you hear me? The two are inseparable. You show me somebody in faith, I'll show you somebody that's grateful and thankful. Somebody that's in faith for more, more thankful yet. How can you enlarge your insight? The Lord told me, he said, this, you can enlarge your insights so you can receive more from me. How? By, what was that first word? Cultivate. That means it ain't going to happen automatically, right? I'm going to have to put some effort To stir myself up to be thankful. Hmm? The nature of the flesh is not so. What is the nature of your flesh? Hmm? That's exactly right. And selfishness is a grumbler. Selfishness is a griper. A bellyacher. A complainer. Yeah. (laughs) Selfishness is a whiny baby. It's true. (laughs) <laughs> I was down at Brother Jesse's this past summer, and uh, Sister Kathy, I said that down there at their place. And Jesse said something on the way we were on the way to eat. And she said, whiny baby? <laughs> In a good Cajun accent. He said, I'm not no whiny baby. She said, whiny baby, whiny baby. <laughs> we had a lot of fun out of They're such funny people. We love them. They're good friends. But uh, selfishness is a complainer. And you know, if you just do what your flesh feels like, in the morning the alarm clock will go off and you'll reach over and slap it and go, ah, grumble, grumble, grumble. (laughs) Get up, stumble towards the bathroom, hit your foot on a toy. Ah, grumble, 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 grumble. I told them kids a thousand times, grumble, grumble, put your grumble toys, grumble, grumble, grumble. Walk up and look in the mirror. Ah, oh, grumble, grumble. <laughs> I don't like my hair. Grumble, grumble. 
And what's happening to my skin? Oh, grumble, grumble. Grumble, grumble. What's wrong with me? Grumble. Look outside, and if it's not a perfect, beautiful day, oh, grumble, grumble. Cold again. Overcast again. Stumble and grumble over to the table. And maybe something wasn't fixed just the way you liked it. Oh, grumble. I told you you don't like my bacon this crisp. Grumble, grumble. And what brand is this? We don't like this brand. Grumble, grumble. We told you don't get this brand. Grumble, grumble. (laughs) And then, go get in the car. Mmm, 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 mmm. Ah, grumble, grumble. Grumble, grumble. This old piece of junk. I mean, the transmission leaks and the radio won't play and the heater don't work right. Grumble, grumble. Oh, but Lord, I'm thanking you for my new car. For my new... Uh-uh. <laughs> that don't work. Or back up a little bit. You went by the closet and went, a, I don't have a thing to wear. Grumble, grumble. I got a whole closet full of stuff and I don't have a thing to wear. I'm so tired of this. Grumble, grumble. I'm going to bleed for some new clothes. That ain't the way to do it. You better say, Lord, I thank you for these clothes. If I didn't have these clothes, I'd be, what does it say in Arkansas? Naked. I'd be naked and I couldn't go to work. They wouldn't let me in church. I thank you for these clothes. Right? Be thankful. Now that doesn't mean you have to just be satisfied that this is all you'll ever have. Can you see how people have gotten messed up? They think that it's ungrateful to want more. That's not true. Being ungrateful is not appreciating what you have. That doesn't mean you can't have vision for more and for better. In fact, you can displease God by not having vision for more and for better because he wants to give you more and better. But part of the thing that qualifies you for the more and better is that you appreciate what he's already done for you and you use and utilize to the fullest what he's already given you. Because if you're not faithful with a little bit, you don't qualify for more. But that's not it. I mean, you know, people get on the road, finally get that thing started, and, oh, grumble, grumble, where'd you get your driver's license? Sears and Roebuck? Grumble, grumble, these people are crazy around here. Would you keep your eyes on the road and get off that stupid cell phone? Ah, ah, grumble, grumble, grumble. If they really are that dangerous driving around you, you better not be doing that. You better be saying, thank you, Lord, for ministering spirits all around about me. That'll do you some good. That grumbling and griping won't. Can't find a parking place, so they grumble. Get to work. And the boss man says, hey, you know, I need you to stay late tonight. Oh, okay. They turn the corner. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Am I the only one that ever does anything around here? Grumble, they think I run this whole place? Grumble, 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 grumble. You are negating favor for promotions? Did you hear me? You will be negating favor for raises? Because when you grumble and you gripe, you are not in faith. 
You grumble and gripe, you undo your prayers that you've prayed. You undo good confessions that you made. (laughs) Now don't make it worse by grumbling about this message. (laughs) This was not in any of my notes today, so what? But here we are. But it is absolutely appropriate for what we're talking about. When you honor things and you value things, you don't gripe about them. And so people, you know, they fight the rush hour traffic getting back and they gripe about that and gripe about their supper or gripe because it was cold or it took too long or, or whatever. Finally plop down in the chair and watch the TV and go, grumble, grumble. Listen to the news. Can you believe that? Grumble, grumble, grumble. And then keep watching stuff. Grumble, grumble. And then look over. Can you believe they show that on TV? Watch it for another two hours. Grumble, grumble. I can't believe they let folk talk like that on TV. And then look. Oh, dear me. It's 11 o'clock. I got to go to bed. Grumble, grumble, grumble. And go to the bed and start another day. Well, that's not right. That's not the life of a person of faith. That's not the life of somebody that's operating in joy and somebody that's enlarging. What did the Lord tell me about the cultivate? Everybody say cultivate. That means when other people are griping, you got to remind yourself, what have I got to be thankful for? Right? And be giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. And I mean, you, it's something you learn. It's something you exercise. You walk in, you pull in the parking lot, and you say, Thank you, Lord, for a paved parking lot. Yeah. Don't just take it for granted. Thank you, Lord. I mean, we're especially thanking God for paved parking lots. Thank you, Lord, for a fine place to stay. Thank you, Lord, for carpet on the runners. Thank you, Lord, for a cushion on the chair. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my clothes. Thank you, Lord. Wake up in the morning. You know, I used to tell people in healing school. It's amazing how people are focused on a problem and become so obsessed with that until they go, well, you know, my finger hurts. Something's wrong with my finger. Oh, my finger's not right. Oh, I just don't understand. Other people's finger works right. Why don't mine work right? I just, it ain't right. And totally forget about the other nine that are just fine. Hmm? That's the way unbelief is. But faith gives thanks. For anything you can think of that's wrong with you, you can find a hundred things that's right. Is your heart beating this morning? Is your brain working? Yeah, take a deep breath. Then you say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Do you have anything to be thankful for? You've got so much. To be thankful for. You are saved. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Going to rule and reign with Him throughout eternity. We got nothing to gripe about. And if you want to enlarge yourself. When the Lord shows you something in the Word. Thank Him for it. Don't minimize it. Now here's what I'm getting to. You know, people, so many times you talk to them about something that the Lord did for them, they go, oh, that ain't nothing. 
What do you mean it ain't nothing? I know that's bad English, but I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> One day I was preaching, and I happened to have an English professor in my class. And she took it just as long as she could. And finally she said, oh, no. Because I'd used a double negative one too many times or something like that. <laughs> and I finally had to correct it. But, you know, it's like Smith Wigglesworth said. You know, he never had any education. His wife taught him how to write his name and finally got where he could write. And he wrote a letter to some minister. And this guy had some education. He said, uh, Brother Wigglesworth, did you know that you spelled Holy Spirit? What did he say? Dozen different ways or something like that in that letter. He said, well, did you understand it? He said, yeah. He said, that's all. I mean, you can know Greek and Hebrew and Chaldean and all kind of stuff. Still don't have a clue what God said. So let's keep important stuff major first things first. What was I talking about before I told you that story? <laughs> it ain't nothing. You remember that? Hmm? It ain't nothing. Oh, that ain't nothing. You know, somebody, you know, did a good job speaking or playing or singing you say man that was good glory to god they go oh that ain't nothing i can do better than that oh that ain't nothing you know well now hey if you're good at something it ain't because you're so wonderful it's because you are graced everybody say graced graced to do something graced means you have gifts everybody has a gift and are gifts in them talents and abilities. Some people develop them, some people don't. But it's not just because you're just amazing. <laughs> it's because God is amazing and he's put things in you. And it's real simple. When it's good, it's God. When it's bad, it was you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so if it's good, you know, you don't go, oh, that's nothing. You'll wind up despising and belittling something the Lord has done. You know, uh, the Lord, you know, putting this church together. I was at a minister's conference a few days ago, and a good brother of mine, it's a pastor of a large church out in uh, uh, North Carolina. He was asking, he heard about the church, and he's asking, I'm telling him. And he said, well, that's great. And he, we're eating. About 30 minutes later, he looked at me, he said, Brother Keith. I said, what? He said, that's got to be God. I said, yeah, it has to be God. He said, that's God. I said, I know it's God. We're giving him all the credit and the glory. We don't say it ain't nothing. It is something. When God heals you, you don't go, oh, well, I just got better. No, it is something. You make something of it. You give God the glory. Well, the money came in. Oh, it ain't nothing. It was just $100. Hey, give God the glory. Amen. Make something of it. We don't make up stories. It's got to be true. It's got to be right. But when God has done it, we give him the credit. Yes. We give him the glory. And we don't say, oh, that's nothing. That's not. No, it is something. And we're thankful. And if we're not thankful for the small, we're not qualified for the bigger. But you watch it. when You, you know, it's just like this. What if you go out of your way and you pick something out for somebody and you pay money for it. It wouldn't have to be a big thing. And then you give it to them. And, and you say, here, I got something for you. And they take it. And, and they open it up. And they look at it. And they go, huh. You know, I saw one of them a while back. And I thought about getting it. And I thought, nah. But thanks. 
does that make you want to run out and get them something more expensive? No, it does not. And when the Lord gives you something, and you look at it and you go, hmm, okay, ho-hum, other people have bigger and better than this. Does that make him want to bless you with more? No, you're not qualifying yourself. You know, through the year, Phyllis and I started off just about as broke as anybody ever started off. <laughs> and, you know, I've always enjoyed cars. And the Lord's allowed me to have some nice stuff and Phyllis to have some nice stuff. But we didn't start out like that. But I'll tell you what, we kept our $500 car clean. Did you hear me? When we had a $300 car and a $500 car... I kept it tuned up, running good as I knew how. We kept it clean. We did the best we knew how. We had our little bitty apartment with nothing in it. We did the best we knew how. How many know you can do some cheap decorating if you know how? (laughs) Yeah, and there's no shame in that. There's honor in you utilizing what you have to the best that you know. There's honor in that. And in doing so and being thankful, you are being qualified for bigger yes. and for better. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? I've seen ministers that they don't want to do anything. They think all this stuff that comes up and available to them is beneath them. Here's a Bible study. Somebody needs to be ministered to. Well, it's only 15 people. Well, you know, I'm, I usually do bigger stuff, they say. Well, here's this and here's that. And then they say, well, if you hear something big come up, let me know. Well, you ain't qualified for anything big. Huh? I ministered for years to four and five people and six people. There were days in healing school, if it snowed, nobody came. So me and my fellow minister just preached to each other. He'd say amen. Then I'd say amen. I'm telling you a fact. We stood and looked out the window till we realized ain't nobody coming. <laughs> and then he said, let me tell you what I've been thinking about. I said, yeah, and let me tell you what I've been thinking about. But then, as the years went by, bigger and bigger crowds. Because you should give your all to the five. Just like to the 5,000. Isn't that right? If you say, oh, this is just five people. I'm just going to go tell them a story and go home. You are disqualifying yourself for the bigger and the better. That's not just for preachers. That's for everybody. You starting a business. Huh? You got three customers. Treat them like gold. Is that right? You got a little small budget with which to produce. Yeah, but do the very best you know how. Be clean and be sharp. And let there be excellence. Even if it's a $3 item, let it be the best $3 item around. God sees that. He is excellent. How many know God is excellent? His spirit is excellent. And it's not just about the actual material, but it's about the heart and the presentation, the attitude. Well, when you honor things, you value them. You esteem them. I want you to turn with me over to the book of Acts. In uh, Acts, are you there? Acts chapter 10. Now, one thing we had said to you, we started on last week, and I hadn't got past my introduction because we got to talking about griping and complaining today, which is all important too. 
But if you were here last Sunday, we talked about, we began talking about how to show honor. And one way that covers a lot of ground, but one way that you show honor is how you refer to things and people and situations. Or you could just use the word reference. Reference, R-E-F-E-R. How you refer to things and people. You know, you shouldn't just refer to your parents by their first name. That's your father. That's your mother. Somebody said, yeah, but they ain't even saved. Yeah, but just by the right of the fact of them being your mother and father, you should show them some respect. Uh, That doesn't mean you can respect everything they say and do if it's ungodly. But you must respect the place that they have. Elsewise, you dishonor God. You know, uh, in school, I used to, you know, teach in a Bible school, and sometimes the students' alumni would come by and say, well, how's the old man? You're talking about, you say, who are you talking about? And they say, well, you know, the old man, old man Hagen. Well, that's disrespectful, isn't it? I've had uh, students, they were older than me, but they were my student. And they'd call me youngin and laugh. Well, that's disrespectful. That's inappropriate in that situation, me being their teacher. It's not all about age. We need to see where has God put people and what's going on. And like I said, you may not be able to respect and honor everything a person in a position of authority says and does, but you must respect that place or elsewise you disrespect God himself who gave them the place. Now, Acts 10 exemplifies this about as well as anything I know of. Acts, the 10th chapter. Acts 10, 28. Acts 10, 28. You know, Peter had the vision on the housetop. He fell into a trance. And he concluded that the meaning of this in verse 28, latter part, says, God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Just focus on that first part, calling any man common. And then in Acts 23, Paul has been taken into custody. And now he's hauled in front of the council. And in Acts 23, Paul earnestly beholding the council, he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. So he backhanded him. Hit him. And then Paul said, God's going to smite you. You whited wall. You sit there to judge me after the law and command me to be smitten or hit contrary to the law. Have you ever been hit real hard? Across the face? It gives you some feelings. And I mean, he said, what do you mean sitting up there to judge me after the law and you're commanding them to hit me totally contrary to the law? And when he said that, he called him a whitewashed wall too, you know. And they that stood by said, revilest thou God's high priest? In other words, they said, you talk to God's high priest like that? 
Now listen, verse 5. Paul said, I wist not, brethren. In other words, I didn't know that he was the high priest. Maybe the way he was dressed or he's too far from him. I don't know. Some way or another, he didn't recognize who it was. Acts 23. 23.5. And Paul said, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it's written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. This to me is outstanding. Here is a man who's obviously not right with God. A man who is abusing his position of power. And Paul, in essence, apologizes for using wrong language to refer to him. Didn't he? Is that right? We need this, don't we? We live in a world where people don't understand respect. And they don't understand honor. And they don't know what's valuable and precious and what's worthless. And people abuse their freedom of speech. Thank God for the freedom of speech. But people abuse it. By using slanderous terms and and railing and talking against our leaders. And their own people. Their own parents. Their own teachers. Even if somebody's off. Even if they're not right. Even if they're doing things that are wrong. We may not be able to respect everything they're doing, but we must respect that place. And he, in essence, repented and said, "I, you know, I didn't know it was the high priest. Because it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Whether it's a politician, if it's somebody that's elected to office, and they are a senator, they are a representative, down to the local authorities. They should receive a certain amount of respect just for the place. We don't just people say, ah, that's just being, you know, frou-frou. No, it's being godly. I said it's being godly. Our children and our teenagers, well, actually, they should know this by the time they're teenagers. But our children should be taught respect for the teachers, respect for the coach. Respect for the principal. Respect for... You don't call the policemen pigs. The scripture says that they are ministers. The Bible calls the police ministers. They should be shown due respect. Yes, sir, officer. Hmm? Yes, sir, Mr. So-and-so. Yes, ma'am, Mrs. So-and-so. Not just a southern nicety. It's godly. Somebody say godly. How you refer to people shows your respect or your lack of respect for them. Now I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to have communion this morning together. And uh, you'll find that this absolutely agrees with what we've already been talking about. Because we're taught in the scriptures to honor the Lord's table, to show respect and reverence and honor to the elements and what they represent. I mean, what should we honor more than the blood and the body of the Master? In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, 
You know, before I read this, let me just remind you of another thing. Two things. Hold your place, go to Matthew 10. Moving a little bit fast here. You know, that's one way you show your respect for the things of God, is by not being too antsy. This is how I learned this. Years ago, I was in a prayer meeting, and it went pretty long. And I was feeling a little antsy. I was ready to go. And the Lord asked me sitting there, he said, what are you in a hurry to get to? What are you in a hurry to get away from? And what are you in a hurry to get to? I thought, well, he said, you're wanting to run away from a prayer time and run to the late news or a sandwich. (laughs) Right? Now, don't misunderstand me. Preachers can keep going after they get through. I've done it. (laughs) But at the same time, let's be reverent and make sure that we're through, right? Before we bail out for something that's not as important. Matthew 10, are you there? Matthew 10 and verse 40. The Lord is very, very big on delegation. He expects you to respect individuals he has appointed and sent just like you would respect him himself. Isn't that right? In Matthew 10 and verse 40, Jesus said, He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. You know, the scripture says, if you don't accept the Son, you don't have the Father either. If you receive the Son, you have the Son and the Father. He goes on to say, this applies to Jesus, sent from the Father. How many know this applies to the Holy Spirit, also sent? Verse 41, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of, or we might say as, a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Does it make any difference how you receive people? Yes. You know, I had the privilege of traveling with Brother Hagen for years, and he does operate in the ministry of a prophet. And But a lot of times I'd, we'd go to places, and either they didn't believe in that ministry or they just didn't know about it, and they'd receive him as a teacher. And so that's what reward they would get for the whole next week, which is good, but there was more. Did you hear me? Does it make any difference how you receive a ministry gift or a message or anything of God? It determines how much you get out of it. If you think, well, we'll go to church and we'll sing a couple of songs and we'll read a scripture and we'll go home. And if that's all you expect, then you're limiting the Lord from doing things for you. One reason we're teaching on this, I believe our reverence of the things of God is going to come up. Amen. Our reverence for the Holy Spirit and the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit until He is comfortable manifesting Himself. Amen. 
more and more in our midst until he finds Faith Life Church a place easy to work with. Amen. Easy to be here. Easy to manifest himself in our midst because we reverence him. We respect him. Can you say amen? Amen. Now back to 1 Corinthians and let's get ready to partake of communion this morning. 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. He said, in this I declare to you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. You know, there are some cases where people would have been better off not even getting together. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now they weren't being reverential in their gatherings. They just came and partied. And were oblivious to anybody else's needs round about them. And you'll see down at the bottom. He said verse 27. Whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord. What? Now, people have focused on that, am I worthy? But really, it means in an unworthy manner. Because that's what they were doing, was partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. They had the elements, they were going through the motions, but there was no respect. No reverence. There was gluttony, there was drunkenness, no respect. He said, he shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, we might say, in a worthy manner, in an honorable way. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, in an unworthy way, eats and drinks damnation or condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together to condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. They were actually dying prematurely, being sick and dying prematurely because of a failure to esteem and honor The elements of the Lord's Supper. Do we know what's available to us. Through the shed blood. And the broken body. We know some. But we can know a lot more. And we must not. Let any of this become old hat. And just routine. We must stir ourselves up. And say this body was broken for me. Amen. Amen. By his stripes, there's healing to me. His blood was poured out. Somebody said, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but do you know how powerful the blood is? I don't care what you've done. That blood can cleanse you and make you whole and free and clean. 
as though you never made a mistake. We're going to partake of communion this morning. And we're going to stir ourselves up that we honor the blood. We respect the blood. And what it can do for us. And has done for us and will do for us. We respect the body. You put enough faith and enough respect in what these elements represent. You can be healed in your chair this morning. You can be set free in your mind. Because how many understand everything we need in life has been bought and paid for. With the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you need. Everything you could ever need or want. Has been bought and paid for. Praise God. Musicians, y'all ready? Everybody come and get ready. Ushers, go ahead and stand up and get ready. We're going to honor the Lord this morning. Y'all can come on down to the front. We're going to honor the Lord this morning. We're going to honor what He's done for us. We're not going to be bound and scared, but we're going to be reverential, free, but respectful. And when we talk about the blood You should be able to hear the respect and reverence in your voice. When you talk about the body, we can hear the reverence. When we hold up these elements, we're not worshiping this cup and this cracker, but we're worshiping what it stands for. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.